This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. Another ECU baseball weekend is in the books. The Pirates with another winning weekend, 3-0 and in the Keith LeClaire Classic. They go 3-1 and for the week. They sweep App- Appalachian State. They lose a midweek game to Old Dominion. We're here to break it all down. I'm Stephen Igo, the host of Hoist the Colors, uh, the publisher of HTC, and I'm joined by Jonathan Wagner, who was the only man in the press box, at least for, for media, on behalf of Hoist the Colors and many media in general, on Sunday for Sunday's game as we were covering ECU basketball against Cincinnati. But Jonathan, welcome back to the program. I believe this is our third straight week, and it's the third straight winning week for ECU. Yeah, glad to be back. Glad to be consistently talking about some winning weekends and excited to be back. Yeah, and, and you know, East Carolina three weekends in, they're 9-2. and two. Uh, The only loss is coming to Old Dominion, which we'll get into that a little bit. Like always, we're going to go game by game over the past week. Uh, we'll focus more on the weekend series, but 9-2 and two for ECU through the first 11 games. And even though this hasn't been the toughest schedule, you have to be pleased with the start. And really... ECU's ability to bounce back from a tough midweek game against Old Dominion. You know, obviously ECU was a favorite, but in baseball, crazy things happen. Uh, and the Pirates uh, come out victorious uh, as a result of um, – or they come out victorious this weekend after losing to Old Dominion in a tough game. So bouncing back and sweeping after a tough midweek loss uh, I thought was a good sign, Jonathan. Yeah, I think Wednesday's game against Old Dominion was just kind of frustrating to watch to me, you know – Offensively, you couldn't get much going. Pitching was good until you got to extra innings. I didn't get to watch the end of the game, but it was nice to come in starting off Friday night with such a statement win, winning in the way they did after that performance on Wednesday. I think they were frustrated. I think they were hungry. So, yeah, it was it was nice to come out with a sweep and especially to, like I said, sweep like they did because I think they really handed it to App State the majority of the weekend. Yeah, they really dominated. I think outscored them, what, 28-6. to six. I ran the numbers uh, after the game. I can't remember the exact, uh, or maybe 29-8, to eight, something like that. Um, I don't have it put up in front of me. But ECU dominated the series. They did what they needed to do. I don't think App State is a great team. I think they're probably the weakest outside of maybe Rhode Island on the non-conference schedule. Um, so uh, I thought ECU did what they needed to do. So we'll get more into that. Let's focus first on the Old Dominion game, Jonathan. Uh, just kind of a, a a weird game, and if you look at ECU's history or many college baseball teams' history, these early season midweek games can be tricky. You're trying to figure out roles for guys, uh, especially on the mound. And in this Wednesday game, it just it never seemed like ECU really got into a rhythm. And of course, they ended up uh, losing in extra innings six to five. It was a tough loss because ECU had opportunities to win. Missed those opportunities. Then uh, the lottery for Old Dominion hit a three-run homer. 
in the top of the 12th. Uh, that game a 6-3 lead. ECU actually battled back and made it interesting. They lost 6-5. to uh, But ECU ends up falling their first home loss of the year. And I thought it was interesting after the game, ECU used so many pitchers in this one, 10 different pitchers. Uh, but Cliff Godwin basically came out and said, hey, we can't keep using C.J. Mayhew, Cam Colmore, Matt Bridges, each of whom threw – uh, more an inning or more in this game. And I thought that that was a telling sign because we had been talking about that behind the scenes. Hey, ECU can't be using these same three bullpen arms every game or it's just not going to last. And I thought some of them maybe showed some wear and tear uh, at times over the past week, including Bridges who ended up giving up a run in that top of the ninth that sent it to extras. Yeah, I think you mentioned it. You know, they you can't keep rolling with Mayhew, Bridges, and Colmore every game and this weekend, I think Mayhew pitched the last inning, got the save last night. That was it. Bridges, I don't remember. I think he made a pitch Friday. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't. I don't think even think he pitched Friday. I'm trying to think. I don't. I don't believe he did. I Let's think see. Colmore. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah so it was just Mayhew to, for the one inning. Right. Okay. So yeah. So like to get through the weekend with only from your big three only throwing an inning total, that's huge, especially with, you know, a midweek game against Duke coming up. And just, I think, like you said, finding different roles for different types of guys. You know, Carter Spivey was a midweek starter to start the season, had the blister on his hand. He, I think he pitched really well out of the bullpen on Friday night. And then Nick Logish came in, and I think he solidified himself as one of those potential go-to back of the road, back of the bullpen arms along with, you know, a Bridges, a Colmore, a Mayhew. Obviously, he's – I mean, he pitched two innings on Friday night and he struck out every batter. That's really impressive. You don't really see that very often. So, just seeing him step up, Nate Naples pitched a couple innings this weekend. He looked good. Josh Gross, a lot of those guys. It's encouraging to see because, like we said, they weren't going to hold on and hold up throughout the season if they continued rolling the three same arms. Yeah, and the guy, you know, it's, it's easy to say, hey, we shouldn't throw these same three arms every game or every big situation. But the, the problem was, and the problem has been, ECU's been playing a lot of close games. And for Cliff Godwin and Jason Dietrich, I mean, at this point, you trust those guys in that situation. You know, the the Nate Nabholses, the A.J. Wilsons, uh, Danny Bill, Josh Groves, those guys don't have the track record that, Bridges, Colmore, and Mayhew have. So it's it's hard if you're a coach and saying, hey, we're in this spot, we're playing Old Dominion in a close game, in a game we need to win at home to go with somebody else. But, you know, it was good to see this weekend. I think especially Friday it was a pretty close game in the early innings. ECU ended up blowing it, blowing it open late. But I thought, um, like you mentioned, Logish, those guys ended up stepping, stepping up in a big way. And you only use Mayhew for the ninth inning on Saturday. Look, there's going to be games still where you have to use Colmore, Bridges, and Mayhew. It might be Tuesday versus Duke, but at least now they're fresh because you were able to use some of these different guys, and you've got to continue to develop depth because I think the talent is there, Jonathan. I just think we need to continue to see these guys get game reps um, to, to really learn how to pitch in these situations because otherwise it's it's not just going to happen overnight on its own. So um, we're kind of jumping ahead here with, with our Old Dominion recap but I think it flows into the weekend nicely because I think it was all, you know, a, a theme of the week. 
ECU needs to develop more pitching, uh, they were able to do that. So with that, let's turn to Friday's game. Uh, you mentioned the bullpen, and ECU able to win this game 13-2. to Pretty slow start offensively for the Pirates, uh, but they were able to put up a couple of runs in the bottom of the third. Ended up striking for three. Alec Makarevich, we got to talk about this kid. We're going to talk about him a lot this season. He gets it started with an RBI double on Friday, and uh, he had a pretty big week. Yeah, Makarevich, you know, when Lane Hoover went down, I wasn't really sure who was going to kind of fill that role in right field. I personally really didn't expect Makarevich to be the guy playing in the outfield every day. But when he started every game, batting clean up, playing right field this weekend, and he really took the opportunity he ran with it. He, I believe he had two hits every game this weekend. I believe he got on base at least one more time in at least two of the three games. And he's good defensively. He's quick for his size. I mean, he's a really big kid. And he can really move for move pretty well for a corner outfielder. And he's he's just having good at bats, you know. He's he's not really chasing bad pitches. He's working to count and he's finding the pitches that they're throwing to him over the plate and he's making them pay for it. So I'm really encouraged by what we've seen from him. And I think even once Lane Hoover comes back, I think he's solidified himself as a, as an everyday role moving forward. Yeah. He gives you not only contact and power, but he's a switch hitter. Uh, like you said, for his size, I think moves pretty well in the outfield. Now they're, you know, they have replaced him late defensively in some games, but I mean, you're going to do that if it's a close game and you have a guy like Riley Johnson who can come off the bench and, and provide excellent defense. So the thing I like most about Makarevich is every at-bat, it looks like he's locked in. Not to go off what Cliff Godwin said earlier this this preseason, but every swing seems to have like intent, or there seems to be like a, an intent approach with every at-bat. Like You can tell he's looking for something. A lot of times he's looking to attack early in the at-bat, uh, but he also works walks. So I, I like that he's not afraid to take pitches, but he's also not afraid to go up there swinging at the first pitch. So I just really like his demeanor on the field I think it fits well uh with ECU the Pirates uh, again they were able to blow this game open in the latter innings it was five to two uh in the fifth going into the fifth it was a close game three to two Seth Cadell hit a two-run homer to kind of give ECU some cushion that opened it to five to two and then the Pirates poured it on from there one in the sixth one in the seventh and then six runs in the eighth as the Pirates got into App State's bullpen which wasn't very good uh, Connor Norby, big surprise, two-hit day. Uh, Makarevich, we talked about two-hit day. Francisco, two-hit day. So pretty big night for the offense all the way around, uh, especially after some good early at-bats and, and got the pitch count up for their starter. Uh, but I want to talk about ECU's pitching on Friday. Tyler Smith gets the start. Did not pitch as deep into the game as he probably would have liked. Again, we've seen this a lot from Tyler. Three really good innings. And then he kind of, for whatever reason, lost it in the fourth. Ended up walking four, hit a batter, uh, finished the day with three strikeouts, two runs allowed. Carter Spivey got out of a big jam. But um, Cliff Goblin said it best after Saturday's game, our starting pitching has to be better, Jonathan. And uh, I think we're kind of reaching, it's still early, but I think another week or two we need to start seeing this rotation pitch maybe a little bit deeper in the games. Yeah, I mean, you say it's – you know, maybe too early to be having that discussion about some of these guys. But when you look at it, if last year taught me anything when it comes to sports is you can't afford to 
lose anything. You have to win as much as you can when you can win. And I think, especially right now with guys like Gavin Williams coming back, you know, there's guys pushing for those roles just because they're a six-year senior and a fourth-year junior in Smith and Kuchmater, which we'll talk about later. I, they're not locked into that role just because they've been here for a while. So if a guy like Gavin comes in and pitches well and he pushes for that spot, he's going to take that spot. And, yeah, I mean, that goes to what we were talking about earlier. You know, when you're only going three, four, not, not even five complete innings on the mound as your starter, your bullpen is going to be gassed, especially if you're doing it four times a week. And I think that's even more important, you know, later on in the year when we get to conference play but that's down the road. But right now they need more efficient starts out of Tyler Smith. He, like you said, he just gave up a few walks, 62 pitches over three and two thirds. Just need, need him to be a little more efficient or, you know, eventually someone's going to come for that role. And I think it might happen sooner than we might expect. Yeah. The big thing with Tyler is he's got so much movement on his fastball. It just seems like, it, you know, if you look at his his batting average against this year, it's very good. Teams really aren't hitting the ball off him that much. Uh, he's just, for whatever reason, at times has lost his command, and he walks too many guys, or he he, he had trouble hitting guys at Georgia Southern, I think. So um, he does have a lot of movement. So I don't know if there's times where maybe either his delivery gets slightly off or his release gets slightly off, and, and his his fastball stays too low. But um, I'm sure him and Coach Dietrich are working on that. You know, at the end of the day, whether Tyler stays in the starting rotation or not, I think he's got a, a huge role with this team. I mean, he always is effective for three to four innings at minimum. So, I mean, you can kind of count on that. Um, it's just a, It just depends on what Cliff Goblin and, and them want to do as far as how they play. You know, Gavin will get into what he did on Saturday, but I think he's going to be in the rotation sooner than later. Carson Wisenhunt, we heard after Sunday's game, might be moving up to Saturday, so they're already kind of starting that process, or at least that thought process, which we'll get into shortly. Uh, Carter Spivey comes out of the bullpen. He gets the win in this game, one and a third, scoreless innings. Uh, it was good to see him back on the mound after the blister. You would think maybe he's a candidate to start against Duke, or at least throw against Duke on Tuesday. Uh, Nate Nabholtz, we talked about, one inning pitch, one hit allowed. Nick Logish, man, uh, two innings pitched. Six strikeouts, 28 pitches thrown, 24 of 28 pitches, Jonathan, were strikes. That's how you uh, That's how you attack right there. Yeah, that's how you do it, and that's exactly what you need in that type of game. You know, by that point, you have a lead. You're at, you've already rolled through four bullpen arms, you know. Just go in, throw a couple of innings, throw strikes, hope for the best. <laughs> You're not going to plan for six strikeouts, like I said earlier, but – if you can come and attack in the zone like that and not get hit around, that that tells you how good your stuff is. And I think we're finding out just how good Nick Logish's stuff is. Yeah, I think he topped out at 93 a couple times. He was consistently 91, 92. Uh, and the fastball gets on the hitters quick. So he pitched well. Josh Groves, again, a shutout inning as well to close out the victory. All right, moving on to Saturday. Um, East Carolina won the game 5-2. to two. Uh, was another... You know, slower start for ECU at the plate. Uh, ben Newton really got ECU started in the bottom of the fifth with a solo home run. That was followed by Connor Norby. 
uh, back-to-back home runs to tie the game at 2-2. Two to two. Alec Makarevich with an RBI single to make it 3-2 to two, uh, in the in the fifth as well. And then ECU added runs in the seventh and eighth to win the game 5-2. to two. Uh, Not a huge night offensively for ECU, but they did get nine hits at the end of the game. Were able to do some damage from the middle innings onward. Before we get into the pitching, Jonathan, want to talk about Ben Newton. We were kind of texting about this guy on Saturday, you know, the backup catcher. Really nice swing from the left side. He goes two for three, two runs scored in an RBI, and really ignited the offense on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's no, it's no surprise to anyone that follows me on Twitter or even on Hoist of Colors. I'm a big Ben Newton fan, and that's only gotten stronger after this weekend. You know, he came in Friday night even with a big double late in the game, I believe, and. The thing I love about him is just his he has a really simple swing. It's short, it's compact. He doesn't chase pitches that much. And he's another guy. He works the count too. I mean, I keep saying it, but he's another guy. He he gets in there, he batted in a nine hole on Saturday, and he works the count. And he grounded out first at bat and then he hit the solo shot to start things off, like you said. But before that point, I was starting to wonder, wow, we just cannot hit lefties. And then Ben Newton, a lefty who I wasn't really expecting to be the guy to start that run, just sends one over the right field wall and gets it started. And he ended up having a good game on today, too. So it's really encouraging to see someone step up because you never know, especially this type of year, when you're going to need a backup. And I think at the catcher position, that's even more important. Yeah, if he keeps sitting like that, I mean, you have to think he's got, even if he's not catching, he's going to be in that DH role a little bit. Uh, more going forward. Connor Norby, big surprise, four for five on Saturday. The guy is just unreal right now. We'll talk more about Connor in a little bit. Uh, ben Newton again, two for three. Those were the, your only Pirates with multiple hits that day. Uh, Makarevich did go one for three with a uh, run scored in RBI and a walk, so he reached his base twice again. On to the pitching again. Cooch Maynard, four innings, sixty-nine pitches. Not the efficient Cooch Maynard we're used to seeing. I mean, we we tur- we've heard Cliff talk about this a lot. You know, Cooch is a guy who gets more into a groove, I think, as the season goes on when the when the weather gets warmer. He has not had his breaking ball in any of his three starts. And usually that's a big, you know, get-me-over strike that he can utilize in a bunch of different counts. And right now he's basically just pitching off fastball and changeup. So hopefully he can get that uh, breaking ball going uh, next week. But Gavin Williams, he was the story on Saturday Four shutout innings, uh, three strikeouts, two walks, no hits allowed. He ends up getting the win. And I don't think anybody expected him to go four innings, but when you're doing it with just 45 pitches thrown, uh, you can't get much more efficient than that. And his ability to pound the zone and pitch the contact, I thought was the biggest thing we can take from Gavin's outing because that's something he can do as a starter. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, Cooch Maynard didn't necessarily go – as deep again as we would hope out of our starter, but Gavin came in as kind of a second starter, and I expected him to go, you know, maybe two innings. And then when he was so quick, like you said with his pitch count, I said, okay, maybe a third. And then I said, there's no shot he comes back out for the fourth. And there, what do you know? He does, and I believe the fourth was one of his better innings too. So it was, it was really surprising to see him pitch that much, especially since coach said last weekend, you know, after he pitched 24 pitches in his inning of work against Georgia Southern, you know, he was sore um, for a little bit, a little more than he would like. So to see him bounce back and be able to 
go four innings, 45 pitches. It's really encouraging. I hope he can continue doing that and he can stay on the mound because he's, I think he's one of the best pitchers in the country when he's on. And he, I think he would be the guy that really puts you over the top, especially if he can solidify a Friday night role moving forward. Yeah, I was not there on Saturday, but it sounded like he was working 94 to 97 consistently. And yeah, I mean, if you're throwing strikes and you're throwing 94 to 97, you're not going to give up many hits. Uh, and he had the breaking ball working a little bit too. I think he had a strikeout on the, on a breaking ball, had a change up as well to a lefty. So it was good to see that uh, because that's always going to be important as teams are going to hunt the fastball versus him. C.J. Mayhew, we talked about it. His only outing of the weekend was a one-inning, uh, three-up, three-down save on Saturday to secure the 5-2 to two win. So ECU clinches the series. Uh, they move into Sunday's game looking for the sweep. Uh, and the Pirates get it with a 10-2 to two victory. 11 hits as a team on Sunday, Jonathan. Uh, I was over covering ECU basketball, the regular season finale, against Cincinnati, which ended up being a uh, disappointing 13-point loss as the Pirates will go into next week's AAC tournament. But going back to baseball, you were there. You were covering for Hoist the Colors. Uh, what did you? What were kind of your big takeaways as ECU wins 10-2 to to finish off the, the Appalachian State Series? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me, I mean, we talk about him every week, but Carson Wisenhunt, he looked as you would expect Carson Wisenhunt to look most Sundays right about now came in four strikeouts through two innings, one base runner, and then got through another quick third inning. And then something that I noticed in the fourth, you know, he worked a, I believe back-to-back walks. And then coach Dietrich came out for a mound visit and the athletic trainer, Zach Wilmack came out with him. And we asked about a post game, you know, we remember against Georgia Southern and wasn't on start. He, his back tightened up a little bit at the end. So coach said that they just wanted to make sure since that did happen last weekend, but he looked fine. And then he came back out for a fifth and for the fifth inning and probably had his best inning of the most efficient inning of the night. And then coach said he could have come back out for the sixth, but obviously that didn't happen. But another, we talk about pitching a lot, but I thought the bullpen looked really good behind Wisenhunt. Brooks gave up a solo homer. But outside of that solo home run, that was the only base runner. There was one other base runner in addition to the home run that reached base from the bullpen. And it was uh, Dylan Lawson walk when he came in. So just seeing, you know, Skylar Brooks, Dylan Lawson, and Nate Napoles come in and really just shut things down behind Wisenhunt in a game that was, you know, ECU scored a lot of runs early, but App State all weekend showed, you know, they're not, a, they can get guys on. They obviously didn't really do very well at doing anything with those runners, but the threat was there. So the bullpen really pitched well. And then offensively, they started quick and they didn't let up from there. Thomas Francisco hit an RBI single in the first inning. Then two more runs score on Josh Moreland and Worrell score um, after they worked leadoff walks to start the inning. So that was nice to see. And same thing, we just mentioned them. Alec Makarevich had another really good day, two for three at the plate, two runs. Connor Norby, surprise, surprise, two for three, two runs, two RBI. And Seth Goodell, the home run hitting machine, hit another one, a three-run shot today, and he ended up getting a little bloop single right over the first baseman head later on in the game that would score two more. So he had a productive five RBI night. So 
it was there was a lot that came together and it was nice to see the team really solidify the sweep in that way yeah Cadell, we we should talk about him uh probably more than we have two for four five rbis a run scored you mentioned the three-run homer um quietly now up to five home runs in 11 games that is not easy to do you know he's shown flashes of power in the past but not really this consistent power and you know he's not going to hit a home run probably every other game for the entire season otherwise he would finish with like you know 28 home runs or something crazy so that's not going to happen we should uh we should probably throw that out there but uh we we heard a ton about Seth the transformation he kind of made this offseason we knew he was he was already hitting the ball well last year, but Cliff Goblin said he really took another step this offseason. And, look, he's still, you know, he's, he's not the perfect hitter. Uh, he's, you know, he, he's going to swing and miss a little bit. But I think the fact that he's hitting the ball with authority when he does make contact, you know, is really bringing a different dimension to this lineup, especially with Bryson Worrell, who we kind of expected to hit for more power, who's really slumping right now. I think he's really picking up the slack is Seth Cadell. Yeah, and he's not only doing it through – you know, his power and his home run threat. Like I mentioned, he had a bloop single through the right side um, that scored two more. But after today, he's at five homers and I believe 15 RBI. And that's a career high RBI total. And we're 11 games into the year. So that's really nice to see. Granted, it's the first full season that Seth has been able to be the starting catcher. You know, last year was obviously cut short. Jake Washer was there before that. So this is Seth's full season as the number one guy behind the plate. So it's really encouraging to see him driving in runs as a whether he hits three, four, or five. I think he's shown that he's a threat. And you know it's nice to see. Like you said, Bryson really hasn't swung the bat well. Not really competitive at bats, in my opinion, from him. I think it's a confidence thing at this point. I think he's struggled so much, and it's just he's in his own head. So. I don't know how you turn it around, but I think you need to turn it around. But in the meantime, it's nice to see other guys stepping up to kind of fill that void. Yeah, my Bryson Worrell uh, two-homer prediction did not come true today. <laughs> I missed on that one. I could not repeat the Agnos magic. Uh, you had Ben Newton with a three-hit day. I mean, he goes one for two with a walk. Uh and so he did everything he needed to do. He reached base. He had a good day, just didn't quite get the three hits. It was good to see Ryder Giles get a couple hits he he came into the day 0 for 15 in a in a massive slump you know we always know he's going to have the defense uh but good to see him get on base a couple times and hopefully that can propel him all right a couple things uh post game jonathan we need to talk about uh on sunday first carson wisnhunt we talked about him five innings 72 pitches six k's two hits allowed one run as he improves to 2-0. But Cliff Goblin made mention that they kind of maybe wanted to get him out early if the lead was in a good spot to potentially, you know, this isn't final, but potentially move him up to Saturday uh, for next weekend's series against Charlotte. Now, we've kind of discussed this, and, you know, we were kind of talking, I think, going into the series. Appalachian State's not great. This would be a kind of a series you pinpoint to say, hey, if we're going to rework the rotation – Maybe let's keep a little bit of these guys on lesser pitch counts than normal. And I think they kind of intentionally did that with Carson today, and then we could see him in the Saturday role next weekend. Yeah, I think, like we said, he was really – it didn't look like he had his best stuff today, but he was still efficient when he had his good innings. He had the one bad inning, but outside of that, you know, he was really efficient, was able to keep his pitch count down. So now the question is, you know, 
if Wilson Hunt does move up this Saturday, you know, what happens there? Because obviously I think Cooch Manor stays in the rotation. Does he move to Sunday? Does he move to Friday? Does Gavin Williams come in? Does Carter Spivey come back in? There's so many questions. I think it's kind of funny that <laughs> Coach gave that to us. We're just going to overthink it all this week. Oh, and he's, 100%. He's probably going to blow us away with something we're not even mentioning next weekend. So he just wanted us to go crazy thinking about it. So we'll see. But I really like Wizen Hunt. I think wherever he pitches, he's going to do well. Yeah, I think we talked about it earlier, you know, maybe you leave him in the Sunday role or whatever to uh, kind of get that guaranteed win. But Coochmaner and, and Smith have also pitched extremely well in the Sunday role in the past. So I think I think ECU is just, a for whatever reason, a dominant Sunday team. It seems like they always win on Sunday, whether they need a, a series win or a sweep or what. So I think whoever finds that role will be fine. I mean, Gavin, honestly, he threw 45 pitches. They'll have to see how he bounces back. But you could conceivably start him now. And, yeah, his probably his pitch count likely isn't going to be but 50 to 60 max. But, I mean, you could conceivably start him and get three to four innings and then bring whoever out of the bullpen. I mean, that's basically what you've gotten uh, for the first three weekends of the season out of your starters. So, I mean, you could get away with that at this point. But I just don't know if they're ready to push him and say, hey, you're a starter. Maybe they want to give him one more week in the bullpen and see how he does. So plenty to think about um, for this coming week for the coaching staff. It'll be interesting to see who uh, who ends up starting, how that plays out uh, going into the Charlotte series. The other nugget coming out of the postgame, uh, Lane Hoover I asked if there was an update on his status. Unfortunately, the outfielder, uh, the sophomore, will miss at least four to six more weeks. He will have surgery Tuesday to repair some facial fractures. You know, Cliff didn't want to get into the details, obviously. But uh, it sounds like Hoover will miss significant time, and the Pirates will have to continue to roll forward without one of their better outfielders and, and one of their better base runner speed guys. He just does a little bit of everything. He'll be missed. Yeah, he's definitely going to be missed. I think he's one of those guys you don't realize you're going to miss him as much as you do until he's gone. And I think, you know, starting off this week against ODU, I think, we kind of saw a little bit of that. I think he's a perfect top of the order guy, whether he's hitting one, two, nine, wherever you put him, he's going to do his job and he's going to do it well. And especially for a team with a coach like Cliff Godwin, you know, they like to play small ball. You know, they're going to, whether they're slashing, whether they're bunting the guy over, no matter what, Lane Hoover's a really good bunter. His speed is going to be missed. So, it's interesting. I think we he played with the lineup a little bit this weekend. Um, you know, Norby solidified himself in the leadoff role. I think that should be the way, even when Luke Hoover's back. But, you know, you got to find someone to really step up and run with that number two spot in the lineup. Um, Ryder Giles got it on Friday. Agnos, the last two games. Worrell was there earlier in the year. You need someone to step up and take the number two spot in the order and run with it. Because I think that's a very underrated spot in the batting batting order, but yeah, we're gonna miss Hoover. He's a great fielder, great offensive player, great base runner. He does it all, and like I said, you don't realize you miss him as much as you do until he's gone. Yeah, and I think we're gonna see a lot of Alec Makarovich and Riley Johnson in the weeks to come. Maybe some Christian Smallwood mixed in as well. Hopefully, he's back for near the start of conference play. Because when he does come back, it'll be a big boon to the team. All right, Jonathan, let's get into our weekly picks, our hitter of the week, our pitcher of the week, and our rookie of the week. We'll start with our hitter of the week. I mean, 
there was a lot of guys that had big weeks, Jonathan. But I mean, let's be real. There's only one guy who deserves this award: Connor Norby for the second time this season. Ten of eighteen, six runs scored, six RBIs, two doubles, one a homer, three walks. Connor Norby, I believe, is batting like well above five hundred at this point. Three weeks into the season, which he's not going to bat five hundred this year, folks. But even to be doing it eleven games in is just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he like you said, he was hitting five hundred coming into today, and he went two for three today. So it's crazy. I mean. We know he got off to such a good start last year. I believe hit over 400, obviously, in a shortened season. But we talked about it a lot. You know, we need to see it over the course of the full season. Obviously, we're at about – we're getting close to the point, give it another week or two, and we're at the point where we got shut down last year. So, you know, once we get to that point, you know, maybe get into conference play, that's kind of where, you know, I'll be looking to see, you know, does he cool off? Will he ever cool off? Because if he keeps hitting 500, like you said, which he won't, but if he can hover around, you know, that 400 mark, upper 300s, it's going to be insane. But right now, what do you do against him? If you don't pitch it to him, he's well-disciplined enough at the plate to work a walk. If you give him a fastball, he's going to take it over the wall. And if you give him an off-speed pitch over the plate, he's going to put it in play too. He does it all. So it's really encouraging to see. I don't, I don't know how you stop him. Yeah, that's and that's a good thing for ECU where you, you look at a guy like Bryson World, there's a clear weakness in that even when he's going good, the off-speed can beat him. You know, Norby did strike out some earlier in his career, but he's done a good job of really adjusting to the breaking ball. And man, he is, he is just red hot right now. So, uh at some point he'll hit a slump. He's not going to bat 500 all season, but man, he is a he's a terror right now and it's good for ECU's offense. All right, our pitcher of the week, we had some discussion over this, Jonathan, it really came down to two guys, Nick Logish and Gavin Williams. Both of them threw four shutout innings. We're giving it to Gavin because he had he got the win um, on Saturday. Really kind of, I think, single-handedly kind of propelled ECU to that victory. Uh, three Ks, two walks, no hits allowed. So Gavin gets our, our pitcher of the week. Uh, but... Nick Logos, a strong honorable mention for seven Ks, no hits allowed in four innings. He just didn't really factor into the decision uh, in either game. But uh, both those guys have phenomenal weeks. Yeah, I think the thing that really pushed Gavin over the top for me was that Saturday game was so close. You know, it was 2 nothing through three, and then even through four, by the time Cooch Manor was done, it, App State was still up 2 nothing. So if Gavin came in and really didn't have the stuff like he did, that's a completely different ball game. We're probably not talking about a sweep. So I think Gavin is one of the main reasons we really were able to come away with Saturday. I love Nick Logish, like I said earlier. I think he's a great pitcher. But to me, yeah, Gavin Williams was the guy who was more valuable to the team over the past week, and that's why I gave him the nod. Yeah, definitely fair. And our rookie of the week, this was also really a no-brainer. Um, you know, honestly could have been in contention for hitter of the week. Uh, Alec Makarevich, just a phenomenal week. Eight of 15, three RBIs, five runs scored, three doubles, four walks. So again, hitting the ball with authority, three doubles, uh, hitting the ball for average, eight of 15, driving in runs, three RBIs, and then four walks. So he also, I think he had one walk in every game. So, I mean, you're talking about a complete hitter at this point, both from the right and left side. Alec Makarevich, our rookie of the week. 
Yeah, we talked about him earlier. He's a really nice, versatile player. He can kind of do everything. If you ask him to do something, he's going to be able to do it at the plate. If you want him, you know, if you want a guy to potentially have some power and hit one to the warning track, hit one over, he's got the potential to do that. If you need a guy to butt someone over, he can do that. So it's nice to see him playing as well as he is, especially after how much he was talked up over the offseason. You know, it's nice to see his hard work paying off. I, li- I like kids like that, kids who really give it their all every day, no matter what, whether it's a batting practice swing or a random ground ball in the infield, you know, giving it your all every time. I like to see kids like that succeed. And like I said earlier, he, he solidified himself as an everyday player, no matter who's healthy, no matter who's not. So ECU 9-2 and two after 11 games. I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me, Jonathan, as we wrap up the show the Pirates, I feel like they haven't even really come close to hitting their stride yet as a team. Like you still have some pieces that are really hot, and then you got some pieces that are really cold. Like I feel like at some point it's all going to click. The starting pitching is going to go deep into games. The bullpen is going to solidify itself even more. Bryson World is going to start to hit. You're going to have guys like Josh Moylan, Alec Makarevich, uh hit the ball on the same week really good. You're going to you're going to see Ryder Giles and Zach Agnos hit the ball better. So. The fact that they're nine and two when I feel like they aren't playing their best baseball kind of speaks to this team's upside if it all comes together. Yeah, it was really, really nice week. Like you said, you know, obviously things are going to even out a little bit. You know, the Connor Norbys of the world aren't going to hit five hundred. The Bryson Worlds of the world are not going to hit one sixty three. He's too talented to do that over the course of a season. Like I said, we're eleven games into a fifty six game schedule. We've got a long long ways to go before we reach the end of this thing. So things are going to even out. There's a lot of young pieces, maybe some pieces that were here last year that maybe aren't young but didn't get to pitch last year just due to the shortened season that are really stepping up. So there's a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of potential. And I think once it once it all really clicks, I think it's we're in a really good spot if it all clicks, and it will. So ECU got another tough week ahead. They go to Duke in the return rematch on Tuesday uh, to face the Blue Devils from the ACC. Uh, Duke, I think, went 3-1 and one this week. They had a series win over Pittsburgh and also a midweek win. And so they'll be amped up to take on ECU on Tuesday in the return game after the Pirates won the first meeting. And then the Pirates welcome in Charlotte next weekend for a three-game set. The 49ers are off to a 7-3 and three start, but they lost two out of three this weekend to Western Carolina. They have swept Moorhead State and William & Mary. So, you know, a decent Charlotte team, but a winnable week ahead, or winnable weekend ahead for ECU, especially playing at home. Jonathan, we'll be here, I assume, next Sunday, probably breaking down the series against Charlotte, but uh, it was fun to recap another ECU winning weekend against Appalachian State. Yeah, man, for sure. And we did mention that I wanted I wanted to throw it in here real quick, but it was really nice to see fans out there again this weekend. And you know, it make it makes a difference. You might not think it will, but as a such a big pirate baseball fan myself, when I'm not working the media, you know, this team means a lot to me. And it's nice to see fans being able to be out there, whether it be in the students in the jungle or the season ticket holders in the main concourse area. It was really nice to see, and it was just icing on the cake to get a, a sweep this weekend, and things are starting to go back to normal. So really nice to see. That's the thing is 
it almost feels like more normal with each passing game. As we get into more of a routine, and we'll cross our fingers and knock on wood that there's no COVID disruptions, but like we're kind of getting into the thick of the season where, hey, ECU's playing every two, every two or three days, and then they come the weekend, they're in another weekend series, and they're playing every day. So like this is what is awesome about covering baseball and being a sports fan. You get into that routine, you expect your team to play all the time, and I just hope we can we can keep this rolling and keep fans uh, back in the stands. So I, I'm trying to like, I'm trying not to jinx it, so I don't want to talk about it too much. But uh, uh, I, I do like that you bring that up. But Jonathan, we'll get out of here. It's been a long day for the both of us. I uh, appreciate your time on the Hoist of Colors podcast, and I appreciate all the fans for tuning in. We'll be back with you next week when we recap ECU series versus the Charlotte 49ers. Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.